Welcome to an instant recap podcast from Land Grant Holy Land. My name is Matt Tamanini and I am joined on the line by Justin Goebel. We are coming to you literally like two minutes after Ohio State lost yet another absolute heartbreaker of a men's basketball game. Falling in the second round of the 2022 Big Ten Men's Basketball Tournament 71-68 to to the 11th-seeded Penn State Nittany Lions. Ohio State led by as many as 13 points in the first half. And yet, as has been par for the course for most of the season, they let the second half get away from them. And Penn State went on a run and eventually just had way too much for the Buckeyes who were shorthanded to handle. Justin, you are one of our bucket heads. You and Connor Lamonts really are the experts when it comes to this basketball team. Connor is in Indianapolis. He will be probably at this point walking into the press conference as we are speaking. So I'm asking you, what the hell is the problem? Is it just a matter of injuries have piled up, they've played a bunch of games at the end, or are there fundamental flaws that no matter who's on the court for Chris Holtman's team, the Buckeyes just aren't that good this season? Yeah, it's um, at this point, it's fundamental flaws. And it's, it's you know, a lot of people brand this as excuses probably, but in, it's pretty it's pretty much been obvious all year. They're missing a third guy, and that third guy, they're not really missing him. He's sitting on the bench, and his name is Justice Suing. Everything about this team that is yeah. really flawed is ju- is what Justice Suing brings to his team. He's a, he's a, you defend every position. He's a scorer. He averaged 16 points a game when he was at Cal. Um, he tra- obviously transferred to Ohio State. He's that Swiss Army knife. They're, they're just missing a guy who can take some pressure off Liddell and Branham. I mean, they had, again, Liddell, 25 points, Branham at 16. You know, they're doing what they can. But when you have Justin Orange start the game, he's 0 for 1, and he missed his only shot, and it was a big three late in the game that he, he needs to knock down. You know, Jamari Wheeler, he's he was great early in the season, but now he, you know, he's 3 for 9, and he's in foul trouble a lot. Joey Brunk's been a nice addition. But again, even late in the game, they're down 2. They get a they get a missed shot by Penn State, and Joey Brunk just gets bullied down low by John Harrod to get an offensive rebound. Harrod puts it back up. Now it's a four-point game. They just can't get that stop they need when it's late in the game. This game shouldn't have even come down to that because, like you said, they're up 13. It, it was kind of like the Michigan game. I just said after the Michigan game and then during this game, if they just play a decent second half, they're going to win the game by 15, and they just played a horrendous second half, and they lost. So uh, Penn State's a little bit better than they get credit for. They get they have really good guards, which is what Ohio State struggles with. But at the end of the day, it's a team you already beat twice. It's a team you dominated earlier in the season. It's just – I don't know. It's, it's it's a tough team to figure out. Yeah, you mentioned the second half. Ohio State was outscored by Penn State 47 to 35 after halftime. Ohio oh State, God. yeah, exactly. Ohio State was 2 for 9 from distance in the second half for 22%. Obviously, they put up some shots late in the game to try to get back into things. Um, but that was a a big difference, you know. They could not connect uh, in the second half, like they did in the first half, they built a nine-point lead at halftime by shooting 55.6% from behind the arc. And EJ Liddell hit two early threes. We saw one from Wheeler, Russell, and even Eugene Brown hit one. Um, this team has 
been up and down. There's been times when they've looked really good and at times when they've looked really bad. What is it about this team that you think in your mind, whether it was something you saw specifically against Penn State, but we've seen them blow halftime leads time and time again, where they have a lead in the first half. They look like things are running at their pace. They're able to get into their offense. They're able to play aggressive defense. And in the second half, it looks almost like, I don't know, a a completely different bunch of dudes wearing the same jerseys and they aren't able to have any kind of flow on offense. They can't get the ball inside to EJ Dell like they do in the first half and defense really just becomes non-existent, you know, and I, I think we all love Chris Holtman here at Land Grant Holy Land, but you have to start asking yourself because this has happened all season when you've had Kyle Young in the, in the game, when you've had Zed key in there. And even, I mean, let's not forget just assuming has missed most of the season, but he did play at the little bit at the beginning of the season, and I don't remember if they really lost. I mean, yeah, they did. They had you know crazy ass close games in the beginning of the season before he was out too. Is this a fundamental problem with Chris Holtman not being able to make the adjustments that his coaching counterparts do that make the second half an absolute landmine for the Buckeyes in most cases? Yeah, it's weird because I everything you said is accurate, but then you look at kind of earlier in the season, and you can argue he outcoached Coach K against the Duke game. You could argue he outcoached Greg Gard when they played Wisconsin the first game, who was the who's going to maybe be the national coach of the year. So it is a little. It looks like to me when they get these leads, they start playing like they don't want to lose instead of they want to win, and they kind of start playing. You know, let's take some time off the clock. Let's do this. They're better when they're running. When EJ Liddell's getting out, like a Eugene Brown is a good example of this because he's not the best in a half-court offense, but when he's running, he's he's more athletic than most people on the court. So that's where you really need to utilize a guy like him. And it's just it seems like they just want to survive every game, right, and instead of just winning games. And that's not how they looked earlier in the season. I mean, they beat Wisconsin by 18. They came back against Duke and beat them. Uh, they, you know, even in the Illinois game, for 35 of those minutes, they looked unbeatable. And then Illinois went on kind of a expected run. But then also, again, Ohio State – when Illinois kind of started pressing them, they just kind of they just looked like all right. Let's just get out of here with a win. So I don't know if that's I don't, that's probably on Chris Holtman if he's telling them to slow down. Maybe he wants them to be more aggressive and they're not doing it. I don't particularly know. That's you know that'd be some maybe Connor knows that more as someone who's been more around the program, be able to ask you know pointed questions like that. Um, but this team, they just you know it's 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 interesting because they are definitely tired. Um, and they are, you know, beat up and bruised. And I, it, we even on Bucketheads, our last episode uh, yesterday, I said, if they lose to Purdue, I couldn't care less, to be very honest, because they'll get six days of rest, but they got to win this one. This is the game where it's like yeah. you get a little bit of momentum, you win a Big Ten tournament game, which they've only, in the Chris Holman's tenure, they've only lost in the first round one time, and that was his first year, shockingly enough, to Penn State, when they, like, they only lost six games total, but they lost three of them to Penn State. It was the weirdest thing i've ever it's seen a horrible year I yeah it was it was, it was just like to, to, tony Carr was just like ridiculous against them for some reason but um they it was so getting this game would have been a lot and again they get they'll probably get at least seven days to get ready for the tournament that's a lot of time that's more time than you normally get in march to get ready so they're gonna have really no excuses going in they're probably sitting at a seven seed now um so they'll probably see a 10 seed like a north carolina or a notre dame something like that um, so it'll be interesting to see, but as you said about just their second half struggles, it just doesn't bode well for a team going to the, into the tournament because you have to be able to close games. And we saw them close some earlier in the season, uh, but just recently outside of the Illinois game, 
it seems like they've lost more and they've won at the end of, at, at the end of games and it's not again that doesn't bode well for march ever no and it's not even the games that they've lost they've won games where they've blown double digit leads in the second half so it's like where they are able to hang on in some of the situations so it's not even just looking at the losses it's it's just the whole thing with this team and and i understand like you said there's people who call these excuses but look not having justice suing hurts all season i thought coming into this season he would be the number two guy to be honest with you because i didn't expect branham to do what he's doing this year so i expected him to be the number two with liddell um but then you basically play the majority if not you know you basically play like i don't know all the did he play like even five games he played, I don't remember. He, pl- he, he played two games so he played two games okay yeah, yeah. so <laughs> you basically play the whole season without him and then you get down to the end of the season um you've dealt with some guys having covid in and out so i understand that but at the end of the season you don't have kyle young again for the second year in a row dealing with concussion issues zed key is out although he could have gone apparently in a necessary situation although i can't imagine what a situation would have had to have been for him to get in this game because I I don't see the benefit of putting Zed Key in this game if he's nursing an ankle injury. So it's just like these are reasons. I don't consider them excuses. But to me, the ongoing thing that's happened throughout the season with those collapses, that's the bigger issue for me. And that to me has to go to the current construction of this team and how the coach is utilizing it. You look at a guy like EJ Liddell, who was a second time first team, all big 10 member. He played a great game. He had 25 points. He had eight rebounds. Um, But I will say he only had 13 points in the second half and nine of them were from the free throw line. Again, a lot that happens because the ball's in his hand and the other team is aggressively, you know, guarding him and fouling him. I get that. But when your best player scores 25 points in a game and only hits two buckets in the second half, that's a problem as well. So I don't know, again, if that's because EJ is worn down because he has to do so much of a heavier lift because the other bigs aren't in there, or if that's because they aren't able to figure out the way to get the ball to him. But that's a concern to me as well. When you tried, you know, when they were even saying on the broadcast, Liddell should be the guy taking the shots down the stretch and they just could not get the ball into him. What did you see as the second half progressed about trying to run the offense through not only the best player on your team, honestly, the best player on the floor and one of the best players in the conference, and the Buckeyes just couldn't do it. Yeah, that's kind of – I don't have too many gripes with EJ Liddell because he is such a great player, but that's always been something to where, you know, it's kind of the opposite of Dwayne Washington Jr., right? Dwayne Washington was such a fun player, but there were times where they probably lost games because of his aggressiveness, aggressiveness, but they also won games because of his aggressiveness. Sometimes EJ Liddell doesn't truly take games over. And this was a good game where I think he could have because they, I don't really think they have anybody. Miles Dredd is physical enough, but he's not big enough. John Hare had his hands full with Joey Bronk all night, which is a sentence I didn't think I'd say preseason. But, <laughs> I mean, it's good that Joey Bronk has stepped up in a way that nobody expected him to. Um, but, you know, he just – it seems like sometimes he's either – it's probably a little bit of fatigue. I mean, even that he when he got fouled down four, uh, the first free throw, he just he almost airballed it. He just looked like he was just kind of tossing it up there, and it was short. And he puts a lot of effort into his shots. You know, he uses his legs. He jumps into shots a lot. You know, it's a jump shot. So for him, I do think he gets tired. He plays. You know, him and Malachi Branham, especially throughout like February, have pretty much averaged almost thirty-seven to thirty-eight minutes a game. And that's just yeah, they not, were they were at 37 and 36 respectively tonight. Yeah. And um, Jamari Wheeler was at 34 and Joey yeah. Brunk was at 31. Holy shit. 
yeah, I mean that that's if you told me that preseason, I don't think we'd have a big issue. But and I guess we do. I mean, it's just yeah. uh-huh. they're just. I mean, the regression of players has been really tough because you thought you're going to get more out of Justin Arns. You thought you're going to get more out of like I said, Justin Arns being zero for one, no points, one rebound, one assist. It's like, dude, you're a senior captain. I mean, Eugene Brown hasn't been the three. He's a three and D guy that right now can't play defense and can't hit a three. Um, and then you have Cedric Russell, who I think. I think they really wanted him to step up and be more of a scorer. But I know, you know, we talked to Adam Jardy before the season and he was like, he's just not ready. So I think it took him a lot longer to get incorporated into their offense and into their game plan, whether that's on him or the coaches, I don't know. But I remember Jardy specifically telling us like, he's just not ready to go. Yeah, I remember. This was like a week before the season and they really did. I mean, he barely played and he, he's probably their sixth man at this point. I, I kind of wish they'd play Jimmy Soto's a little more just because he provides a little bit of a spark out on defense. I don't know. I don't know what you have to do. Um, like you, I mean, you've said it before. They're down four of really their top like eight players right now. So it is, you know, I like what you said. There's a difference between excuses and reasons. You know, sometimes there's just reasons. There's ju- they're just hurt, you know, and, and it, it sucks. It, they need to learn how to play without just assuming, obviously, because he's only played two games a season. And even in those games, you know, like you said, they, they beat Akron by one. Like Akron's not a good team. So... It's just kind of been all season where if this team just – they need somebody to step – and when they win big games, right, Cedric Russell had 12 against Duke. Cedric Russell stepped up against uh, Michigan when they beat them the first time. Jamari Wheeler – Jamari Wheeler is a 38% three-point shooter. So it's not like he can't hit these shots. It's just sometimes he goes cold. I mean, he was two for seven today from three. So it I, I don't know where this team would be if Malachi Branham didn't step up. Thank God he has. Um they might not be a tournament team, and that's hard to say. But they might not be a tournament team if Malachi Branham doesn't take the doesn't take the strides he took weirdly during their COVID break. So yeah. um, that yeah, it, they it, very well might really, not have been playing on Thursday night. To be honest with you, they might have lost on Wednesday without yeah, without Branham. hundred percent. And it, it, you know, I don't think this team expected to lose Dwayne Washington. Uh, that's not that's obviously that's more of an excuse than a reason. But again, you even put Dwayne Washington on this team. That's the guy that can go get you a bucket. And they just don't really have that guy this year outside of Liddell. And Branham has been that guy in the second half. But uh, it's just I, – I don't think, especially outside of the last three games for Joey Bronk, the transfers that they brought in haven't panned out to what I think they thought they were getting. And that has really taken a, a really, I think, a toll on them. And then again, like, I mean, Michi Johnson's just done nothing. I mean, there's, there's no really I mean, other way to word that. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't play. play. Yeah, he didn't play today. He's hurt, you know, and again, he's been hurt all season. He's playing through injuries. I get it. But, you know, he's he's kind of just um, it seems like he's he hasn't really learned much from last season. He's doing the same mistakes. So they just need somebody in this tournament just to be a third guy to take some pressure off Liddell to where Liddell can actually go get a bucket or take some, you know, I mean, you don't want to say he needs to play every minute. But at this point, if they pull Liddell and Branham off the floor, I don't know who I don't know who scores. Here's the thing. Branham and Liddell are are in a survive and advance mode. The next loss for them ends their Ohio State career because yes. they are both going to be first round draft picks in the NBA draft more than likely. So from here on out, unless they're hurt, I don't see any reason to take them off the floor for more than a minute or two at a time. Get like Holtman always does. He tries to get 
Liddell a little bit of a breather if he can get a stoppage before a media timeout. Do that. Let Branham run around the entire game for all I care, as long as it's, you know, get him rest when you can. But they shouldn't come out unless you absolutely need to. And to be honest with you, neither should Joey Brunk. Uh, at this point, he's the number three guy. That's absolutely absurd to be saying as we head into the NCAA tournament. But with Joey Brunk right now, he is a 24-year-old who has been averaging like six minutes a game until like two weeks ago. He had back surgery last year and missed the entire season as a member of the Indiana Hoosiers. And he is now the third best scoring option for Ohio State. And obviously, if Kyle and Zed are back for the NCAA tournament, which I would imagine that at least Zed would be. Zed was... um uh, you know, he was supposedly available for this game if they needed him to be. So you would imagine another, another week off, he will be healthy and ready to go, at least to the point where he can contribute. So you add Zed into that lineup and hopefully Kyle can, you know, get all of the concussion protocol stuff dealt with. So if you get those two guys back, I think they could go out and win a game or two. Without them, though, if Brunk is still your number three, this is a this is a, a, a one and done you know, situation for, for this team. And that's going to piss off a lot of Ohio state fans. Yeah. And the, unfortunately they've kind of played themselves into where, and I, we, me and Connor talked about this too. I kind of think the last two weeks might be beneficial to them because the way they play being a seven seed playing a 10 seed, which is normally a, a, a high major like three or four seed in their conference tournament, like an Xavier or North Carolina, is probably better for them than play, being a five seed and playing a South Dakota State that's 30 and two and scores the ball at a holy hell kind of level. So it might be better for them. Jamari Wheeler is the guy I need, I need to watch because he said it when he came to Ohio State. I came to Ohio State for March, right? This is a team that goes to the tournament. He's never played in one. He was at Penn State his whole career. He wants to play in the tournament. He's in March. They're 0 2, or they're 1 and 2 in March because I think the Michigan State game is March 1st. But yeah. it was like March 3rd. But anyway. They're one and two in March. So now it's like, all right, you're, you're here for this reason. Time to step up, you know. And he had 16 against Michigan State. You know, like it seems like they kind of go as he goes. When he plays well, and I, th- I just kind of wish he'd look for his shot a little more. Ohio State fans. Well, Holman's been saying that all year. Yeah. and Because he, he didn't do it at Penn State. And I don't think they expected him to have to do it this year. Again, with because remember, preseason, they thought they'd have Seth Towns too, who is a bucket. He averaged 20 a game at Harvard. So it's just they they don't have these guys. So now they need other guys to step up and kind of take roles they weren't expected. Um, again, Joey Brunk playing 31 minutes. You know, that's not something that I think Ohio State want. You know, and that's not an insult to Brunk. He's played well, but he's 24 years old, coming off back surgery last year. Yeah, you know, on like, his third on his third college program where he was not a star in either of the previous two. No, he had a he had a very defined role, and it wasn't go get 20 points a game. So it's just. You know, and I'm—I mean, I'm watching the, um, the press conference is on in the background right now. I mean, EJ Liddell just looks dejected right now. I mean, as it's he just should. as he should. Yeah, I mean, they just lost. And I will say the one thing I put this in the preview. The one thing I'll say, one of the hardest things to do in basketball, especially college, is beat a team three times. It doesn't happen often. It's very difficult. However, if you're better than the team, you probably should be able to do it. So yeah. I mean, there are better. The thing that the thing that I, I, when you said 47 points in the second half, I didn't even realize that. I didn't do the math in my head. Penn State is the they're the best defense in the Big Ten, but they're the worst offense. They average 64 points a game. So you just let a team that averages 64 points a game score 47 on you in the in a Big Ten tournament game. Like you can't in the second half. Yeah, yeah in one half. These are these are things that just they can't happen. So. Ah. Whew. 
points that I want to bring up here. One forward-looking and then one still forward-looking, but in the immediate. So what does this mean for Chris Holtman? Um, obviously, who knows what happens in the tournament? Take the tournament out of that. We'll end on a tournament question. But what does this mean for Chris Holtman? I mean, we like I said, we've all been fairly big Holtman defenders here at Land Grant Holy Land during his entire tenure and especially this year. But I think it's getting to the point where it's tough to ignore some of the things that people are saying when it comes to the way that this team plays, the way that this team responds in game. Um, You can't necessarily blame him for the injuries, but what I can blame him for is not assembling the depth on a team to make up for those injuries. There were a lot of guys rumored to be interested in Ohio State from the transfer portal, and he went with guys who I think we were all kind of shocked when Joey Brunk and Cedric Russell were the guys that he went with. There were other big-time guys who were in the mix, and maybe they decided not to go there. But as a coach, you've got to get enough guys there to have depth if injuries happen. So I don't blame him for Kyle Young having another concussion or Zed Key and Michi Johnson hurting themselves. But I do blame him for the fact that they have to rely on Cedric Russell to play 29 minutes and Joey Brunk to play 31 in this game. Yeah, I mean, to answer the question of like, immediate future i don't think what happens in march affects him at all uh just because just because they have they also have a top five class coming in so you're gonna want to see what he can do with that what is that well hold on let me let me ask that though but like okay that's what i mean like how does this change what the expectations are for him moving forward i guess is how i should have asked Mm -hmm. that question i don't they're not gonna fire him i mean he's not getting fired he's he's a guy who is beloved in the program in the school he's had above average teams Every year he's had decent teams, but does this put him on a hot seat unless they go to the sweet 16 or elite eight this year? Does this put him on the hot seat to where he needs to have results with this top five recruiting class in year one or year two, or he might be somebody who is is coaching for his job? Yeah, I definitely think they, I mean, you need to make a, a sweet 16 sometime soon. I'd, I'd say three years. I'd say three years because that probably gives you two years with the top five recruiting class. They're going to bring in a couple transfers next year because they're losing if I think Justice Suing will be back, if he's not, they're losing nine guys next year. If Malachi Branham jumps, and they only have five recruits coming in. So you have space to get guys yeah. in the transfer portal. They need to hit on those guys. The one name that kind of stands out, they brought in Cedric Russell over Jaden Shackelford for Alabama. Mm-hmm. Shackelford was a, a reach. He's a much better player, but he was a reach. And he ended up going back to Bama. So maybe it was a good call. They also, when they took Joey Brunk, they were kind of waiting on a recruit uh Efton Reed to see what he was doing he ended up going to LSU and he's played decent but um you know like we kind of said they've kind of missed on the on the transfers and that's where it really hurts you when you don't because they haven't had the greatest outside of Malachi Branham you know Zed Key and Eugene Brown were both three stars you bring in you know Kyle Young kind of followed um Chris Holtman when he came to Ohio State but outside well, of they, they, had hit, a, they had they had some pretty good recruits who transferred out as well. Yeah, yes, they have so, lost. So that's they have part they of lost, the story as yeah. well. Yeah, the DJ Carden situation will always be kind of confusing. I do think there was a lot of underlying factors there. Um, but then you also look at a guy like Carden. He went to Marquette, didn't really do much. He went to the draft. Now he's in the G League. You know, it's and kind of interesting of to see who left. Yeah, none of those guys who left had did anything at their next no. stops, and some of them aren't playing basketball at all anymore. So, like, I'm not blaming yeah. him, but yeah. like, it's it's roster construction. Like, that's a big yeah. part of being a coach, and it just doesn't seem like 
that's been a strength of his at Ohio State, which surprises me because I thought it was early on. But to me, to me, uh, he's not getting fired after this season, and I don't think he's getting fired after next season. I think he has to show signs of progress with the team and the program over those two years, though. And I think you're right. You've got to get to a Sweet 16. I think you have to legitimately contend for a Big Ten title. He He's contended a couple times, but fell short. And hell, they were an overtime game away from winning the conference uh, tournament last year. But I think you've got to see some sub- substantive and and sustained progression over these next two years or or Gene Smith might have to make a change there. But that's a conversation for another day unless you've got one more thought to add on that. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you just said. At some point, I don't – you know, I, and you've brought this up before. Thad Mata obviously is a legendary coach, but Chris Holman did take over a program that had missed the tournament two years in a row. So mm-hmm. it's tough. And they missed the NIT as Thad Mata's last year. Yeah. So, you know, so he he has been working, you know, on making sure the program gets, you know, gets back to where it is. And, you know, I think we have the expectations talk a lot when it comes to this program. And Thad Mata kind of exceeded them, especially because he went to, I think the national championship was his third season. So, and then, you know, Thad Mata also had two number one seeds, a loss in the Sweet 16. So it's, it's tough to win in March. Uh, Chris Holtman in general, and that's why I need to see what happens this year. And obviously, we're not going into it with all the faith in the world, but he's been to the tournament in his career six times. The last season was the only time he's lost in the first round. So to me, that's an outlier. You know, that's not the, that's not, uh, that's not something I need to worry about because, oh, well, it happened. You ran to a tough matchup. You didn't play your best game. You lost. Now, if they lose again in the first round to an inferior team, which it will be because they're going to be a, at worst a seven seed, maybe a six seed. You're going to play a 10 or 11 seed. If you lose again, now you start to wonder, okay, what are the complete issues going into March? Is it just fatigue? Is it, like you said, roster construction of they don't have guys that can step in for, you know, Justice Suing is a great player, but he's not Paulo Benchero or something. That he's irreplaceable. So you have to find guys who can step in and make those adjustments when you need when you have injuries. And um, I think this, the Seth Towns thing has been tough because he's never been healthy. And they really – I mean, they got him over Duke when he was in the transfer portal. So if they could have got somebody else – I love Seth Towns, but he is taking up a roster spot at this point. So yeah. that's just one thing of like you've just never really got anything out of him, which it's not his fault, of course, but it just kind of sucks on every level. All right. So aside from – Zed and or Kyle being healthy enough to play because that's a given. That's like no duh. Beyond that, what is one or two things that you've seen from this team that they need to do a 180 on if they want to have any hope of winning a game or two next weekend? Well, they need the weather, the storm. Every, you know, we see people talk about runs and stuff. Basketball is a game of runs. When you go up, you know, when Ohio State goes up by 13, Excuse me. It's inevitable Penn State's going to go on some type of 7-8-0 run. They're going to do something. Every team goes on runs. But Ohio State, they let these teams go on runs, and then they don't answer it with anything. And then now all of a sudden, an 8-0 run turns into a 12-2 run or a 16-1 run or something like that. Now all of a sudden, you're playing from behind. They, there's no reason they should ever be playing from behind in this game. But they couldn't get a stop. when they, I think Connor put this up before we went on. Penn State scored on 12 of their final 14 possessions. That's just Brutal. that's horrendous for anybody. Like you're playing Purdue, that's bad, but Penn State, that's whew. so they just need to weather the storm of these runs, especially when you play a team like like I said, if they draw North Carolina or Notre Dame, they're going to go on these runs, but you're better than them. 
So get a stop when you can, you know, get a bucket when you can and just try to weather these storms and answer these runs with your own because they do it in the first half fantastically. But then the second half, like you said, for some reason, these runs turn into it's, it's like I don't know if it just hurts their confidence. I don't know what it is. It's hard to tell when you're just watching, but it, it they just need to do something to weather the storm of these runs. And like I said, I think the X factor, and I think it's been the X factor all season, is Jamari Wheeler because I think he can go get 15 a game. And he's when he does that, they I would like to I need to look at the stat. I bet they have a very, very, very good record when he has double digit scoring. Um, yeah, that makes so, sense. So it just if he can be that, like I said, I've been saying this all year. Ohio State fans are going to love Bruce Thornton next year because he's just he's a point guard that can go get his. And I think Jamari Wheeler is that. And you've said, you know. Uh, Chris Holtman said all season he wants Jamari Wheeler to be more aggressive, and he just hasn't really done it. And I, I think he's their X factor in March because you know you're going to get EJ Liddell, you know you're going to get Branham, which is crazy to say for a freshman that's never even played in March. But I, he's just so smooth and patient and fundamentally sound and mature on offense. I know he's going to be able to score. So I just, I need, I, I think Jamari Wheeler is their guy that needs to step up. And and obviously, I think it all comes down to also Kyle Young's health. I think they beat Oral Roberts last year. Kyle Young's healthy, so I yeah, think I mean, he, he was having he, he was having the best stretch of his career. He had a career oh, high, yeah. a career high in points for an entire game in the first half against Purdue in the game where he got hit in the head in like the first minute of the second half. I didn't play for the rest of the season, so it's it, it, yeah. I I personally I think if Kyle Young plays, they don't lose. They've lost what four of their last five. I think they win at least three of those. You know because they they're just better than the teams they played. Um, and they were, for the most part, ahead or in every one of those games. And you can't tell me that Kyle Young's not worth six to eight points a game, you know, both for his defense and his offense. So, you know, you said two things there, really. You need Jamari Wheeler to step up and you need to be able to weather the storm. To me, that weathering the storm is all about defense. You know, Ohio State is going to score. Um, they are, you know, they, they still, I mean, look, they still shot 44% from the field uh, in this game, despite really struggling in the second half. Um, but they, you know, we're still 44.2% for the game, 44% um, in the second half. So they shot well enough to win. It's all about defense. This team does not play defense, defense well. They don't play individual defense well, aside from a few guys. They need to figure out a way to look at who they get matched up with on, on Selection Sunday, come up with a game plan. They need to, you know, obviously – factor in who will or won't be playing for them. And I think obviously Holtman knows better than we do whether or not Kyle Young will be there. I'm I would be shocked if Zed Key doesn't play next Thursday or Friday just because he was suited up and on the bench uh on Thursday night. But Kyle is is the big difference maker and you just gotta play defense. You've got to have Wheeler lock down a guard uh and you've got to find a way to get the uh the rest of the team to step up to, you know, the the level of defense that they need to play because they're gonna score points. Um, but it really was, uh, really was a disappointing game uh, here on Thursday night. So, all right, any any parting thoughts for the Buckeye faithful uh, heading into what will undoubtedly be a very nerve stricken and and anxious week heading into the men's basketball tournament? Yeah, uh, Ohio State has now lost to the three of the worst four teams in the Big Ten, and they beat yeah. the two teams that shared the Big Ten title. So. Yeah. I mean, truly, like you, you could say this about a lot of teams, but Ohio State might be the pinnacle. They can lose to anybody. They can beat anybody. It makes the NCAA tournament a lot of fun 
I think <laughs> very <laughs> stressful. Uh, I just I do hope they get a they get at least one win because I don't think my God. Um, I just I think that the I I think they are very. I mean, Robbie Hummel called Chris Holtman a top fifteen coach in America. I am gonna I trust Robbie Hummel. You know what I mean? Like that's a guy who knows he knows his ball. So um, it's just it, but but the the criticisms are there. It's it you can't ignore them at this They're point. Valid. They're valid yeah. criticisms and. Um, you just need to figure it out. You need to figure out a way to f- just at least win one game this year. <laughs> so bad. So bad. All right, everybody. We're going to go to bed because we need to sleep this one off. Uh, but you can reach out to us uh, on the regular Land Grant Holy Land Twitter feed at Land Grant 33. If you want to reach out to mainly Justin, but also Connor with Bucketheads podcast, you can reach out on Twitter at Bucketheads LGHL. You can also get in touch with me at BWW Matt. Justin, you're Justin underscore Golba, right? Correct. All right. Awesome, everybody. You know, we are kind of, we were kind of thinking about doing these throughout the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA basketball tournament. We'll see at this point (laughs) because who wants to do these? I mean, these aren't aren't as much fun. Uh, But anyway, uh, it's spring practice and baseball's back. So I guess there's uh, other things for us to be thinking about in the next seven days before Ohio State presumably gets back on the court either Thursday or Friday of next week. So, all right, that's all the time that we have. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.